Jeremy, and uh, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to be preaching today. I'm preaching about purpose, and uh, just know that God wants to speak to us today about what our purpose and our meaning is. I want to encourage you, um, if if you're really searching for your meaning and purpose, uh, there's an unbelievable book by uh, Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life, and uh, we've got a bunch of these at the Resource Center. So after the service, if uh, you're interested and want to kind of read more about what your purpose is and your meaning, stop by there. Or if you know someone in your life who needs this book, uh, you can go grab that from them. And I uh, just want to give you that heads up. And also after the service, there'll be people down here to pray for you. Um, just I, I know that God wants to move and allow your hearts. And so uh, if you want to come down after and just have someone pray for you and have God kind of speak into your life, uh, I encourage you to do that. So uh, for me, it, it happened a couple weeks ago. I was uh, right here in the office, and I got a phone call, and it was that phone call that no son ever wants to get. It was a phone call of a a friend of my dad's who was calling me and telling me that my dad was actually in the emergency room with a heart attack. Now, my dad is a fit guy. He was actually, at the moment of the heart attack, training for a triathlon, and uh, we did not expect this at all. And I'm going, okay, like... He's in the hospital. He'll be all right. And then I realized that my mom is down in uh, Virginia, and it's kind of me to run down there and to be with him. And so I jump in my car, and I'm flying down 95. And as I'm, I'm driving down, and, and uh, just kind of everything stops. You're, you're going 80 miles an hour down the highway, and you remember playing catch with your dad in the backyard. You remember your dad on vacation and just having so much fun with him and playing cards at night, playing board games, him being at every one of my baseball games growing up. Remember him sitting there talking about me wanting to be a pastor and what that means and kind of the trials and the tribulations that will go with that. And you just kind of You think about life. Think about life without your dad, without the man who has helped shape your life. And so I finally get down to the room, and he's doing okay. And uh, my dad and I get about half an hour of just us time. And to share kind of life and to share what some things that you probably would have never shared except when you kind of see your life flash before your eyes and you go, let me share some stuff. And so my dad have had some sweet moments there in the hospital room. And then it started. It started where my dad's a pastor in Stanford and uh, he's done, uh, been a pastor there for 30 years. And it started where all these people from his church started coming into our room. And it was like a flood for the next three hours of people coming and just saying to me, you don't realize what your dad's done in my life. It wasn't his preaching or his leadership or him being a pastor. He cared for me. He was there when I needed him. He's helped me to be the person I am today. And it was person after person after person saying that. And as all these people are in there for those three hours, there was a man across the curtain from us who also had a heart attack. And what was so sad was there was not one person there 
for him. And as I drove home that night from the hospital, I reflected on what is our ultimate purpose here on earth. What is it that we are designed for and meant for? Are we meant to live life for ourselves? Or are we meant to live life for others? Now the world's going to tell you this. The world's going to say you are meant to live to get wealth and stuff. The world's going to say it's all about the wealth and the stuff. That's going to make you happy. The more money you have, the greater amount of joy and meaning and purpose you will have. Now, I've been on a lot of missions trips in my life overseas, and I've met a lot of people who have a lot less than us. And I'll tell you that they have more meaning and purpose in their life than we'll ever have. And it doesn't come from money. It comes from somewhere else besides money. Yet our culture shows it everywhere that it's going to come, your meaning, your purpose comes from getting all this wealth and stuff, and then you'll, you'll have what you're looking for. It'll also say, our culture will say, just live life. For teenagers, college students, young adults, it's just live for today. Just take whatever today kind of brings and, and go with it. And yet what happens for those people that live that way when something bad happens, the world is blown up and they don't know where to turn. Because for them, it's, it's that instant gratification that gives them kind of the meaning and purpose for a moment. Yet when bad stuff happens, they don't know where to turn. Then there's another group that it's all about living for their dream. Those dreams that you have, the dream of dating this girl, marrying this person, having this house, or this career, when I get to there, I'll have the meaning and purpose that I'm longing for, that, that I'm looking to have. And yet, usually what we find when we live for our dreams is that once we get to that dream, we go, there has to be more than this. So we dream up another bigger dream, a broader dream, that if I marry this other person, or if I, I live this way, or if I have that. And so we dream bigger dreams. And then we're still unfulfilled. And then there's that last category of where people live for that personal and that family success. I did youth ministry here for 11 years. And I would see it in so many parents that they would want this personal success for their kids to get in the right college or have the right baseball team or be on this team or that team that they would put all their energy, all their purpose into their kids achieving all this stuff. And yet in the end, they were unfulfilled. And so we're kind of going, where does that come from? Now if you put them all together, Jeremy, will, 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 will people get it? If, if we have all these things, maybe we'll find purpose. So I'm a big Giants, New York Giants fan. And... Uh, one of my favorite players is Tom Brady because he's allowed my team to win two Super Bowls. Okay? Now, Tom Brady was on uh, 60 Minutes a couple years ago and gave one of the most truthful answers I've ever seen someone give on TV. And I want you to take a, a watch at this clip. 
Because you think a man who has everything, Super Bowl rings, just sold a $12 million house in L.A., beautiful wife, has everything. And yet here's what he says about his purpose and meaning. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. For us this morning, we're going to look at where to find that meaning and that truth that Tom Brady is looking for, that many of us are looking for. And it comes in, in this book, in the Word of God, in the Bible, and how this today will share with us the truth that we're looking for about our purpose and meaning. These are not my words. These are the words of King Solomon. And he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. And it was kind of his journal of what he found in his life. There's 12 chapters in this book. And what you see in this is the wisest man who ever lived. The Bible says he's the wisest man who ever lived wrote these words about meaning and purpose. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to read uh, verses 2 through 4 and then 11. Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 4. He says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utter, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go. But the, the earth remains forever. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Solomon here starts off Ecclesiastes and goes, it's meaningless. All the stuff that we think is going to provide us meaning and purpose, it's meaningless. That there's even generations to come And they won't even be remembered by the generation after them. And he continues in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. He says this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was a reward from all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had uh, done to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon goes, I've worked my whole life. I have achieved everything that I've wanted. Nothing that my heart desired did I not get for myself. And he says, yet, it's all meaningless. I chased it and I couldn't get what I was truly looking for in my life. Ecclesiastes 5.10, he continues, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So Solomon's going into everything that the world, our world today, is saying gives us meaning and purpose and saying none of it will give you what you're looking for as far as your meaning and your purpose. 
Nothing. None of the things of this world will give you those things. Now, remember before I said there's 12 chapters in this book. You would think chapter 6, he would start to explain how, here's how you find your meaning and purpose. It isn't until chapter 12, all the way at the end, you can actually like blink as you're reading and you can miss what he says about how you find your meaning and purpose. In chapter 12, verse 13, here's the conclusion of the matter. He says, Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is a duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep His commandments. Solomon, there has to be more than this. To how do we find our purpose and meaning? There has to be more than just fearing God and keeping His commandments. But as you look at it and you think about this idea of fearing God and keeping His commandments, it's actually what the entire Bible, it sums up the entire Bible. Now this idea of fear is one that I think in 2001, when the trade towers were bombed, that we kind of shrink back from the word fear. And a lot of times we think this fear is this wrath of God or this kind of evil side. But when he says fearing God, he actually means our reverence for God, our worship of God, that our creator, the person that created us, has given us meaning and purpose, wants to have a relationship with us, we stand in awe of that. That I personally can have a relationship with God? That's incredible. We're in awe and worship of how great and magnificent our God is. That's what it means to fear God. On Tuesday night, I watched the uh, baseball all-star game. And now I'm not a Derek Jeter fan, but as I was watching this, and the only reason why I watched the all-star game was for uh, to see kind of how they would honor uh, this guy, I was thinking back to this idea of fear. Now, if you have a 10-year-old son or daughter who worships Derek Jeter, has posters up all in their house, imagine you going home today, and there's Derek Jeter standing in the driveway saying to your son or daughter, I want to have a catch with you. And your son or daughter literally being like petrified, not fearing that Derek Jeter is going to hurt them, but just in going, this person wants to have a catch with me? That's what it means by this fear of God. The reverence, the worship that we need to have of our Lord and Savior. To give Him all of ourselves. To say, God, You are our everything. I surrender my life, my purpose, everything to You. And then He continues and He says, Keep my commandments. Now a lot of times when we think of commandments, we think of the rules that God puts in place so that you and I kind of have a restricted life and we can't do what we want. When I teach little kids about God's commandments, I say this. I say, do you know God created you? Do you know that God absolutely loves you? This is God's love letter to you, the Bible. And when He gives you these commandments... He's giving them because He absolutely loves you so much that He wants you to live out what 
exactly you were designed for. Exactly how He wants to use you in this world. That these rules and these commandments, it's actually God's love letter to you to say, follow these and you're going to find the meaning and the purpose in your life. You're going to know exactly how God wants you to live. You're not going to have scars or hurt. That when we follow those things, God will use us in powerful ways in this world. So when we think of fearing God, it's about thinking about how instead of seeing Him as this God who's a God of wrath, instead we want to worship Him. We want to give Him the praise in our life. And then we want to go from there and we want to know the commandments and follow them and keep them. If you ever wonder why we're, we're called to read the Bible every day, when we know the Bible more and more and more, it will cause us to fear God more and more because we realize who we are, a sinful people who don't deserve God's love, and a people who are called to then go out and to do something for God's kingdom. Now in the New Testament, in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked a question. And he's asked this question of what is the greatest commandment? What is it that you and I are supposed to do with our lives? And he answers this. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Remember at the beginning I was saying how the idea of fearing God and keeping His commandments is really what the whole Bible is about. Jesus just confirms it. He goes, this is what we are called to do. We are called to love God with everything, with our entire life. And at the same time, God will give us the power to love those around us. Now this idea of loving others around us is always a struggle, I think, for a lot of us to grasp. What does that mean, Jeremy? What does it mean to to love those around us? And I was thinking in my life, what does that truly mean to, to be one that loves people? And I thought back to my dad. Thought back to these last few weeks as my dad has recovered and is doing great now of what does it truly mean to love people? And for me, the idea of a hero comes in. That God calls us to fear Him and love Him. But He also calls us, as we love others, to be a hero. Now, Arthur Ashe says this about what true uh, heroism is. He says this, It is remarkably sober and very undramatic. It is not the urge to surpass others at whatever the cost, but it's the urge to serve others at whatever the cost. Guys, being a hero is about us serving others. And when I think in my life of the heroes, the first person in my life I think of is my dad. My dad who put me above his job, above everyone else in his life, because he was my father. And he invested his life into me to make me the man that I am today. And then I think of other people in my life, from Sunday school teachers that I had to youth group leaders. 
to people who said, you know what, Jeremy, you matter. And when we think about what truly it means for us to love other people, I challenge you today to be a hero to somebody. There's someone in your life who's saying, I need someone to look up to. I need someone who I can turn to during this hard time. And that's you. That is your purpose here on earth. It's to love God and to fear Him. And as you're doing that, to be a hero to your kids. For your kids, who, when they're 34 years old, look at you and say, you're my hero. For your neighbor or a kid in this church who you teach Sunday school to, to look back and say, that person, you know what, they valued me, they loved me. It wasn't about the stuff that they gave me. It wasn't about the house that we grew up in. It was because they loved me and spent time with me. So I challenge us, church, to today, to learn more about what it means to fear God, to love Him, because that's our purpose. And as we do that, will we then be a hero to someone else? Will we love other people, keep God's commandments, and do it in such a way that we are a hero? We need heroes. Our world is desperate for heroes. Will you be a hero? Will you live your life in such a way that people around you will call you their hero? As we close today, we're going to be singing a song called Everything. One of my favorite songs to sing and to reflect on. And I challenge us just as we sing this. If you know it, sing it out because the words are powerful. If you don't know it, reflect on it. And think about your meaning and your purpose. What are you living for? Who's giving you kind of the meaning and purpose in your life right now? Or maybe what is? At the end of the service, I again encourage you to come up. If you need some prayer, if you need someone to pray for you to to help you to, to find that meaning and purpose, there'll be a prayer team up here. But let us, right now, as we sing this song, reflect on who is our everything.